Every day, multiple sets of parents are confronted with the words, I'm gay, by their children. For some parents, that's grounds for celebration. For others, it creates shock and confusion. And for some, it creates panic, fear, and even perhaps anger. Given the increased number of Gen Zs identifying as LGBTQ+, the chances are all too likely that many parents are feeling utterly ill-equipped on what to do in the event that they're faced with how to parent a non-straight child. In this episode of Christianity Still Makes Sense, we'll discuss some practical ways to keep your family intact in the event that your child comes out as gay. There's no easy way forward, but avoiding the subject certainly is not the answer. So let's confront it head on. Here we go. Bobby, studies show that more kids identify as LGBTQ+. What can we attribute this to? You're right, Tim. I mean, according to our newest release studies that have been put out by the Center for Disease and Control, 25% of Gen Z, the generation, they actually identify as LGBTQ+. And you think, man, these numbers are astonishing, especially when you think that 25% or about a quarter of those who identify as gay Gen Zs also tried to take their life in the last year. So on one side, we see this movement being celebrated. And on the other side of the celebration, it seems as if some of the adherents haven't really been able to join the party. So why the increase of LGBTQ plus. Some say those numbers, Tim, are what they've always been. It's just safer to come out of the closet now. I'm not sure I buy that in full because I don't think we can underestimate the power of some of the influences that we have definitely seen. Take, for example, certain social pressures as it relates to social media or movies or seeing this show up in our music and Hollywood and the Obergefell decision. I mean, it has been everywhere. It almost feels like, uh, you know, in June, especially LGBTQ plus, it almost just feels like it's like our national religion. I mean, we've got a flag for it. It's the most celebrated thing going on. And we just have to reflect a little bit. C.S. Lewis once said, the most dangerous ideas in a society are not the ones being argued, but rather the ones that are assumed. And I think, Tim, that we assume a lot uh, as it relates to this issue. Now, that's not so much the case in the church. While we do see many in the church compromising on this issue, which it's been unfortunate to observe, there are others, though, that they don't even think through this issue. So take, for example, the transvestite uh, that is celebrated for showing up in public libraries and even offering drag queen story hour and lap dances for our kids. Well, think about this. Imagine I was reflecting last night. If a mother of some kids just showed up and started reading a story hour and started to give a lap dance to a kid. Well, this is an actual woman who is a mother. And if she's reading and if she did this, everybody would think, what is going on? But if somebody dresses up and pretends they're a woman and offers a lamp, lap dance to a kid, we're celebrating. And we have went mad as a culture, Tim. 
Yeah, and many of those things that you say are, are true, they're happening, but I think one of the things that was shocking in what you just said is those suicide numbers. They're tragic, and, and frankly, it's surprising given how celebrated, like you were just explaining, the LGBTQ plus is. So what what's that about? Well, perhaps God's moral law is still at work regardless of what society has to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we can, as a culture, pass laws that say, this is okay or this is wrong but we still have god's moral law written on our heart and yes it's true that we can anesthetize ourselves a little bit there but in general we've been built by god to operate and function a certain way and i think part of what's happening tim is the suicide attempts especially with young teenage females has really skyrocketed and what is the lgbtq plus big on well it's huge on identity but it's a limited identity a sexual identity so now you got all these young kids they're trying to figure out what their identity is and it's challenging because they are having to think through over a hundred pronouns to try to figure out who they are and it can be just crushing and impact their mental health and so i think this is why it's important that we figure out a way in the church to help these families and these kids who are suffering well, we've already talked about several stats. I mean, a quarter of Gen Zs are now identifying as LGBTQ+, and a good portion of them are, you know, trying to take their own lives. They're ending up in the hospital. Uh, they have, you know, increased depression and other, uh, you know, mental health issues. So what should these stats communicate to those of us that are involved in church leadership? They tell us that we've got to figure out what we're doing as a church, right? I mean, you've got some churches that will say, hey, you just need to embrace it and celebrate it and go with it. And that's sort of the solution. Uh, Others, uh, they alienate everybody from coming uh, in the LGBTQ community into the church because they're constantly just throwing moral grenades. And so what are we going to do in the church to help these families navigate? Well, some things that we don't want to do, Tim, is I would say we can't ignore the issue. And as Moms and dads, or as churches, this issue can't be ignored. And so like if your parents and you sense or detect that your child is struggling with some sexual identity issues, don't pretend it's not happening. See this as an opportunity to have a good conversation with your child and to connect with your child. I can remember when I was younger, I was, you know, struggling with alcohol big time. And that started when I was about 15. And in high school, uh, you know, my mom started getting messages. Like one lady called and said, hey, your son's on drugs. Another time I saw my mom while I was skipping class, having a cigarette break. I was in a car with tinted windows, smoking a cigarette with my friend. And I looked at my car next to me. My mom was going through my car and she found some of my drug paraphernalia. I made a little bong out of a toilet paper roll and some tinfoil to smoke weed. And she found that, right? On another occasion, she was working uh, graveyard shifts. And a guy that used to sell me drugs uh, said, oh, hey, Miss Conway, I sell your son LSD. Uh, She would see alcohol leaving the house, uh, you know, my clothes smelling like cigarettes. All this stuff was going on, Tim. And, you know, still to this day, it'll drive me crazy when she said, but I didn't know but I didn't know. I'm like, mom, all the signals were there. Like it's denial. And I think sometimes the signals are there and parents are living in denial. So don't ignore the issue. I would say don't beat 
our kids up uh, with the Bible. If they do come out, uh, don't verbally shame them. Uh, that's the last thing we want to do. Don't minimize it by saying, oh, this is just a phase. It'll be over with, uh, you know, really listen to them, right? Uh, don't tell them, oh, you better not tell anybody. They're already lonely. And if they're talking, you can say, be careful about who you talk to. Think about your strategy. But to tell somebody to carry this news and never share, that can be agonizing for somebody who's already feeling like they don't have a lot of people. Uh, and don't put all the focus on changing them. Um, there's been lots of ex-gay ministries, you know, like Exodus International that went under. Uh, we saw that, you know, you got to distinguish between sexual attraction and sexual behavior. It's, it's not a sin for somebody to have same-sex sexual attraction. The sin is acting out on it. And so by distinguishing between attraction and, and behavior, that can be helpful because these ex ministries like Exodus International, they were making the promise, hey, that you can actually change your attraction. And there has been little fruit shown in that, Tim. Well, excellent advice. Advice that I, um, you know, use in our family. Uh, again, I have kids that are in this age and they're coming kind of coming into that middle school, high school area in life. And they're thinking about dating and they're thinking about, you know, uh, you know, what kind of sexual attractions they might have. But, I, I, you know, imagine, again, you're talking to me. I'm in this group right now. What are some tips that we can offer parents of LGBTQ plus kids? Now, my kids are not in that category uh, now, but so, like you mentioned before, there are several parents that are in this boat what kind of advice can we offer them? Yeah, and I would relate, Tim. Uh, you know, I mean, I have two straight kids, uh, but as a pastor and having been in the ministry almost 30 years now, I've walked with parents through struggles uh, with children who are gay, lesbian, bisexual, and even gender dysphoria. And parents, their reactions can vary. So let's tackle some of these tips. Uh, what should we do if our parent comes out, if our parent, if our child comes out non-straight? I think this can apply really to anybody when you're trying to minister to them. But when your child comes to you, you know, first thank your child for being vulnerable enough and assure him or her that your love and desire uh, to be there for your child uh, isn't going anywhere. It's important that we let them know that we appreciate them taking the time to come to us. Billy Graham was once asked, what would you do if you found out that one of your children were gay? Would you still love your child if he came out? And Billy Graham answered and says, yes, probably even more. And the answer in saying that was Billy Graham's way of realizing that this child might need even more love because of some of the insecurities that come with being gay. I would say second, refuse to make your child's acknowledgement about yourself or to blame yourself. Many parents are all too ready to beat themselves up over this, but that's not healthy. I mean, if a child's coming out and then all of a sudden they're sharing what is the biggest news of their life and it's been overwhelming and maybe a burden to them, they might be depressed as a result. And then for us to take that and then start making it about what we didn't do or what we did do or you know, that is just not the direction this needs to go. It needs to be about listening to our kids. Third, I'd say resist the temptation to make your child feel shame and guilt. This will only further drive your ch uh, child away. And many kids have went to their parents and experienced that kind of rejection. Now, if you're the child that has shared with your parents and received this and felt shame, 
you also have to realize the lens through which your parents are operating. It might not be that they're trying to genuinely shame you. They might have just been taught certain things about, you know, the LGBTQ community that's causing them to respond in such a way that's leading to shame. And so just realize it's going to take some time for you guys to go through this journey. A fourth, I would say, recognize the need to provide comfort for your child without compromising to celebrate all things LGBTQ. This is important, Tim, because a lot of times studies show that parents, um, once they find out their child is gay, they end up adopting the same philosophy. Or if somebody has a friend, they adopt it. I remember somebody that used to be in our church that I pastored in the past, and all of her kids came out gay. And this was somebody who clearly knew the Bible, but now she throws up LGBTQ flags for Pride Month. And, you know, one of the things that I really want to challenge, even if you are a Christian and you feel like, hey, I, there's got to be space for my child to operate on their gay lifestyle. If you come to that conclusion, which is not what I think is taught in the Bible, you need to realize that celebrating the LGBTQ plus movement is like celebrating the Black Lives Matters movement. Do Black Lives Matter? Absolutely. Do LGBTQ plus people matter? Absolutely. But these movements that we start celebrating with these flags and stuff, we need to realize how toxic it can be. Joe Dallas, who uh, lived the homosexual lifestyle, came out. He's actually been married for quite some time to a woman. He writes, we once judged the rightness or wrongness of something by the thing itself. Today, we're judging right versus wrong actions, not necessarily by actions but by their origins. It's as if we are saying, if you were born with a tendency, that justifies giving into it. In another quote by uh, Rebecca McLaughlin, she writes this, and she's somebody who writes Confronting Christianity, a great book, and has same-sex attractions, but isn't acting out on them and is married. She writes, if you like me are a Christian who deeply believes that the Bible is clear on sex, only belonging in male-female marriage, our response to this cannot be to compromise on what the Bible says, as if we think we know better than God who made us, or that we are somehow more loving than the God who is love. But it is also cannot be to propagate the patterns that lead many in the church who experience same-sex attraction to feel like they can only be both known and loved after they leave. The Bible doesn't call us to less love than the world. It calls us to more. And love means carrying each other's burdens, hearing each other's struggles, witnessing each other's hurts, and believing together that Jesus loves us more than any other man or woman ever could. It means denying ourselves and taking up our cross and following our Lord, including sacrificing romantic dreams and sexual desires when they are calling us away from him. So that's another suggestion, and I think her quote is spot on. Fifth, I would say for helping parents with a child coming out is help your child to not def define himself by his sexuality. Our identity is so much more. Christopher Yuan, who wrote Holy Sexuality and has maintained walking in straightness, but he caught HIV practicing a homosexual lifestyle, got saved, and he would say now, quote, my identity is not gay. It is not ex-gay. It is not even heterosexual. My identity as a child of the living God must be in Jesus Christ alone. And it was Yuan 
and his mom who loved him so well through things, praying for him while he was in the midst of this lifestyle. And he's got a book that talks about the story just of his relationship with his mom that I would encourage parents to look at on a way to love your child. Wesley Hill in a book, Washed and Waiting, who's somebody who also with same-sex attraction is waiting on the Lord. He writes, Washed and Waiting, that is my life, my identity as one who is forgiven and spiritually cleansed, and my struggle as one who perseveres with a frustrating thorn in the flesh, looking forward to what God has promised. Another tip I'd offer to parents is I'd say six, depending upon the issue, if it's gender dysphoria, don't make any rash decisions, which is important. Just talk with your child. Try not to just jump to sex changes and all that. Just be there for your child and figure out what your best solutions are. Seventh, come up with a game plan for next steps together as a family after hearing the news from your child, asking God to guide you. What's it going to be? Counseling, reading, praying, open dialogue. How are you going to go about revealing the news to others? You know, be aware of these options. If your child is a believer, get a sense on where your child is. Like, okay, what are you feeling like the Bible is calling you to remain faithful here? Are you feeling like you, you're giving up on what the Bible has to say? Where are you on this? Uh, Rachel uh, uh, Gilson in her book, Born Again This Way, I just read this recently, and she grew up, still struggles with same-sex attraction, but is a married woman. And she writes, to choose celibacy, Jesus must really be precious to you. You only give up something awesome for something even better. She writes, same-sex attracted Christians have unique and powerful ministries. That is, we serve the church and the world through our example of obedience. How so? Because we witness powerfully to the beauty of Jesus over romance. Because we embody the necessity of relying on him alone to choose holiness. And because we prophetically call the church to honor God and neighbor by neither taking away from nor adding to God's word on sexuality. So you got to love her kind of statement and sentiment. And I think this is so important that we can listen to the people who have lived this way, who are saying, hey, I still struggle with same-sex attraction, but I don't believe we should act out. We should follow the word. Eighth, I would say we need to remember the most important piece of all this is to keep the relationship intact. So if our child comes out to us as gay, remember to keep that relationship intact. Don't try to force your child to change. And then the last tip that I give to parents, Tim, is I'd say, just get support for whatever you're going to need for yourself as well. You might need to make it about yourself after the confession and go to somebody else and talk about it, but really try to do what you can to keep that relationship united with you and your child and figure out how God's going to lead you through it. Yeah, I'll add another one. And I think it's avail yourself of some of the resources. I mean, you just quoted several uh, people that have written books about this that are either gay or come out of the gay lifestyle. Uh, Read some of those books. Again, that that may be part of that last one that you just shared where it's a little bit of support. But I think that that's really helpful for people to kind of just understand and kind of wade into this together, maybe with their kid and read some of the different resources that are out there. I know another one, Dr. Michael Brown has written on this subject as well. So that that, that would be my advice. But but let's go to our, our next question here. Having walked through these kind of practical tips, which were uh, fantastic, are there some thoughts that you might have for any resources or ideas other than the ones that you've mentioned that the church could use to kind of help as families kind of wrestle through issues like this one before, help continue to resource us here, Bobby? Sure. Uh, Sam Albury, 
uh, in his book, Is God Anti-Gay and Other Questions About Homosexuality, the Bible, and Same-Sex Attraction. He writes, ever since I have been open about my experiences with homosexuality, a number of Christians have said something like this. The gospel must be harder for you than it is for me, as though I have more to give up than they do. But the fact is that the gospel demands everything out of all of us. If someone thinks the gospel has somehow slotted into their life quite easily without causing any major adjustments to their lifestyle or aspirations, it is likely that they have not really started following Jesus at all. So I think the first thing that I would just want to say uh, as it relates to kind of resourcing this discussion is we need to remember even as straight Christians, we can sometimes talk about it like, oh man, the person who feels called to stay single, but they have homosexual attractions. It's as if they're called to the hardest thing any human's ever been called to. But let's not forget about people who have died a martyr's death for Jesus, just for flat out walking and faithfulness. We're all called to adjust things. I mean, in my own life, uh, when I met, when I, when I got clean and sober, 400 plus meetings of sobriety that I went to in my first year. You know how many days I wanted to take a drink in that first year of sobriety? It, it, it was hard to give that alcohol up. You know how hard it was to wait almost two years to be intimate with my wife after dating and after coming out of a very promiscuous past. I mean, we all can relate to things that we have to give up. And it's not like, um, yeah, this is something that a straight person can't relate to, but we need to realize that the gospel can help every single one of us. Joe Dallas um, also writes, you know, as it relates to what we need to be thinking about. As both culture and church become more div divided over sexuality, big questions emerge. How should Christian parents respond to gay or transgender loved ones? How do we deal with young people in our church who are confused? What do we say when people call us haters? How can we answer pro-gay arguments? What does the Bible really say? And what about discipling same-sex strugglers? How do we show love without compromising truth? So there's all kinds of, uh, uh, you know, of questions that we've got to figure out how to do a better job on. And I think that my advice then for answering questions like this is for churches to come up with a way to talk about it. As you know, Tim, uh, in Discipleship University, uh, we're working on a course called sexuality, gender, and identity. And we want to offer that course about twice a year for about three weeks at a time for parents and kids to come together to learn and sit around tables as we talk about these questions. I think we just need to make room for conversations to happen, for us to teach what the Bible has to say, and then for us to let the people know in our families uh, what kind of resources that we do have. Two resources I would suggest would be when children come out by Mark Yarhouse and when homosexuality hits home by Joe Dallas. Those are the two books that I would suggest. And then finally, let me just wrap up with a quote, Mel White, who arguably is like kind of the big voice on the revisionist side of things in the gay church. And here's what he had to say about the gay church. We grow because hundreds of thousands of gay and lesbian Christians who are despised and rejected by the Catholic and Protestant churches of their childhood have nowhere else to go. Now, I think that that statement, a lot of times when I'm listening to the revisionist arguments, I think that they assume that they're hated because somebody doesn't agree with them. 
And that's the wrong conclusion. But I do think that there are people looking for a place to go and Protestants and Catholics haven't always had the best strategy. So what is going to be the strategy to be able to help people with this issue of LGBTQ plus all things without compromising what the Bible has to say? Is there some room? And Mark Yarhouse even offers some models for us to think about. So I would encourage us to figure out a third way, not the way that throws moral grenades to culture and isolates people and not the way that compromises and say, let's just celebrate it and not worry about what the Bible says, but a way that truly can navigate truth and love. Bobby, excellent advice. And again, we've done several episodes on this as well. So I would invite our audience that if you've enjoyed this episode, that you might like the episode called The 10 Most Challenging Questions That LGBTQ People Are Asking. You can find that on our YouTube channel. And with that, I hope to meet you next time on Christianity Still Makes Sense. Thank you for checking out this episode of Christianity Still Makes Sense. This show is just one of the many resources available to those who are doubting their Christian faith. You can also find others at ChristianityStillMakesSense.com. This is a listener-supported show, and your gift of any amount helps shows like this continue. Click on the donate link on our website. Also, catch Bobby on Pastor's Perspective, where he answers your questions. Finally, if you're watching on YouTube, be sure to click subscribe and check out our other videos on the channel. This show was sponsored by K-Wave and Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa.